Right, we'll pray and then we'll dive into God's word uh, together. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that we can trust you, that you'll speak to us tonight. Thank you that this is how you communicate. Spirit takes your word and does what it has to do. It convicts, might rebuke, it will challenge, comfort. Father, would we sit underneath your word and would we let your spirit do its work in our lives so that indeed we can go and and be and do what Paul prayed in those final few verses. That our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So pray, Father God, that that would happen for us all tonight with no exception. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Philippians, let's uh, keep Bibles open. Look, I managed to... um, swipe one before lockdown an official church bible um and it's just a shout as well if you need a church bible uh then uh, do let us know and uh, we could certainly dig one of these out of the box getting dusty uh, in the shed um so do let us know on that one but uh, i'm hoping at least you've got a device with uh, with god's word on it so so go there have it in front of you because i think it's always uh, important you get 15 18 minutes in uh, and um and eyes can glaze over, especially as I'm speaking. I can hear some of you dying to say it. Uh, but let's go. Bible in hand, uh, and we're ready uh, to let God uh, speak to us. Unspeakable joy. There's the title of the series. The next six weeks, we're looking at unspeakable joy. Let me fire some questions your way. Do you know where to find it? Unspeakable joy. Can it be found this side of heaven? Isn't the Christian life a trudge until we see and savour Christ? That's when we'll really experience unspeakable joy. Ponder those questions as we go on. Paul writes a letter to the church in Philippi, one that he had started. And with every one of Paul's letters, there is encouragement and there's challenge and there's specific rebukes and there's warnings to certain circumstances. It's like every letter he writes, no exception in this book, but there is a central theme of joy. And Paul keeps returning to it. It's like he just can't help it when he thinks about the Christians in the church in Philippi. He writes with an underlying current of joy. It just keeps swelling up and keeps, it keeps affecting every word that he writes. Look, it's used four times the word joy. One verse four, I always pray with joy. We've heard it read already. Four verse one, my brother and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy. And the word rejoice appears eight times in Philippians. 1 verse 18, because of this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, says Paul. 4 verse 4, that many people think that this is the go-to verse in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You can't get away from joy and you can't get away from the call of rejoicing in Philippians. And so it begs the question, doesn't it? How and why can Paul be so joyful? 
Johnny's already said it, he's in chains. He's in prison because he's in speaking about Jesus and he waits trial, punishment for sure, death likely. And still he is joyful. Joy, 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 rejoice, 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 joy, rejoice, rejoice. Look, I'm pretty certain what my letter would have looked like if I was writing from prison. I can remember pretty recently on a trip to Moldova, training camp in Moldova, but it was like a prison camp. I know what my letter would have been like. In fact, the text read similar to this as I sent one to Kerry. Look, the room's pretty pokey. The showers are freezing. Spiders and creepy crawlies everywhere. We've got to eat curds and it's disgusting. You see what my built default is? My built-in default is to complain. It's to complain. And I fit in, I think, I fit in pretty well into a nation of complainers. And if I was facing what Paul was going to be facing, I think I'd have written about how frightened I was. The future is uncertain. It's out of my hands. And yet here's Paul, and he writes with joy. And that is profound, unspeakable joy. How come? How can he? Well, let me be your example for a moment, because I think I can speak of joy when all is well in the world. I can tell you about uh, how happy um, we've been in the month of August as we went on our travels to see uh, some family. I can tell you times that I've, I think I've genuinely tasted, seen and tasted God's goodness on my life and I've rejoiced the view over the Lake District peaks as the sun was setting, the quiet in the car as all three children miraculously fell asleep at the same time. Absolute joy. I was at a wedding yesterday and the day was filled with joy and happiness. Two Christian individuals becoming one couple. And as I left, the bride and groom uh, were stood in the foreground of a firework display just in front of a lake. And the greatest show soundtrack was blasting out and fireworks were blasting everywhere. Just joy. And the bride was dancing around and the groom was looking pretty awkward. But there was joy. It was utter joy. And I woke up this morning with Talitha poking me in the face, telling me with eyes wide open that they watched The Lion King last night. The real Lion King. Real lions in it. And they had cookies and hot chocolate with marshmallows in. See, I can tell you about joy. I've seen it, I've experienced it, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And indeed, every good gift is from God. And they're to be celebrated, to be rejoiced in. Indeed, we said it last week, didn't we, when I was uh, preempting this series. I said, look, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is our design. We create it to give God glory as we enjoy him in all of his gifts that he gives us. But you know, during this time of COVID and lockdown, 
that hasn't been too easy. To be joyful, to rejoice. It's been a pretty unsettling time. We've been nervous. We've been afraid of health, worried about finances, job security, all important things. Yet have we found joy? Deep joy that wells from within and bubbles out in all sorts of ways as Paul displays. The author John MacArthur writes this. Before a COVID context, he says, Our age has given us a plethora of amenities and conveniences that Paul could never have imagined. Yet our daily lives are fast-paced, hectic and full of trouble and stress. Real joy is a rare commodity in civilised Western culture. Sadly, even most of the visible church is hardly a bastion of genuine joy. We desperately need the message Paul gave the church at Philippi. And you see, here Paul can teach us where genuine joy comes from, how it is displayed. Look at verse 4 with me. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Look, he's delighted. He's thrilled. He's full of joy. And there are two things that help us see where the source of joy lies. Two things. And here's our first thing together as we look at this. It's our partnership in the gospel. Joy is, sorry, Paul is talking about joy because of the partnership in the gospel. Verse four, it goes on. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The Christians in Philippi have joined Paul in accepting the gospel and living gospel lives. They are together. They're as one in their convictions. They're joined together by the good news of Jesus from the first day until now. And we only have to go back into Acts 16 to see the first day. The first day, because the first Christian converts were converted on that day as the church began. And it started with Lydia, if you can recall, or certainly this week. Spend a bit of time in Acts 16 as you try and piece Philippians together and the context into which Paul writes. And there's Lydia. Do you remember her? The dealer in purple cloth. God opened her heart to the good news of Jesus. And then she gave them digs and she waited on them. From the first day until now. And remember the jailer as Paul and Silas were thrown into jail because of speaking of Jesus. It was the jailer who God opened his heart with the singing and then the earthquake and the jailer took Paul and Silas back to his home. He nursed their wounds and he gave them a meal. And you see Paul is saying from the first day, Lydia and the jailer until now. And how have they been supporting Paul? How have they been partnering with him in the gospel? Later in Philippians 4, we'll read of the constant support, wiring through money into Paul's account to keep him going. They're partners in this great gospel work. And look how Paul treasures them. Verse 7, jump down with me to verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you 
in my heart. See, they share in God's grace with Paul. He longs for them with affection, the affection of Jesus Christ, it goes on to say. Verse 8, it's the same with those we love, those that we've cared for at this time. This is Paulie saying, "Ah, I just can't help it, you're in my heart. And think about those that we've loved over the course of this time of lockdown. Can you think of those very dear ones? Think of those that you've had in your heart in the last five months, not just in your phone book, but in your heart. And we've Zoomed loved ones and we've set up family WhatsApp groups and then subsections of those family WhatsApp groups. And we've checked in with certain people that perhaps we would never have checked in with. Why? Because they're in our hearts and something about the COVID situation has brought some reality of the things that really matter. Yes, I could name a few loved ones that I've done that with. But what about those at Town Church, Bista? Do you know as leaders of this church, myself, Johnny and Simon, We've loved hearing the stories. I've talked about this before, but the COVID season continues. And it's great to hear some of the stories of how we as a church are partnering with each other in the gospel. Hearing the stories of care, parcels dropped over, just left on doorsteps, gifts to each other, delivering food packages to each other. It's been great watching the commitments of people praying early on Friday mornings. For others in the church, we always have a section where we try to name as many people at town church as possible. And it's great to see individuals' commitment to that Friday morning. And it's been super to see regular attendance on Sunday gatherings, Zooms, engaging in those meetings on a Sunday evening in the Zoom discussions that we'll have a little bit later on to encourage others to partner with each other in the gospel. And it's great to hear about some of you who are able to open the Bible, able to have some really good discussions with friends who aren't Christians as they ask more questions. And you read the Bible with them and you're helping them to understand that we've been gathering stories And it's been encouraging, really encouraging. You see, when I forget that I belong to a body, that my role here is to partner with others in the gospel, and Paul even goes on and says that that is a foundation for unspeakable joy. You see, when I forget that I belong to a body that is designed to do that for other parts of the body, my role to serve, to love, to care for the body of believers that Jesus has called me to, to, to. if I forget that, I so easily become self-focused. So easily. Look, I, I can see myself as I'm speaking to all of you. I can see you too. But I'm speaking to myself. I so easily forget what my role is within the body to serve and to care and to love for the body, the body, the other parts of the body that make the body of believers together. See, as a, a church, if we put ourselves in the centre as individuals, 
and forget our role in partnering with others in the gospel, then I'll not know this unspeakable joy. That is the key source for joy, for Paul of joy. And can I ask you tonight how joyful you are? And then as soon as I've asked you that question, let me ask even a more personal question. How have you been serving others at town church? And I wonder if there's any correlation. How have you been caring for others and loving others and, 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 and going out of your way? Not because they're just a name in a phone book, because they're, they're, they're close. They're in your heart. And if you're new to town church, then welcome. Welcome aboard. Do you know the temptation it always is when you start a new church? You'll default to thinking about what suits you, about what you like about this new church and what you don't like about the new church. You'll think about what conveniently fits in with your schedule. Can I ask you, please don't. Please don't. Start well. Yes, seek after your happiness and joy and find it in partnering with others in the gospel. Get to know others as quick as you can. See how you can serve them, talk to them, love them, care for them. Can I encourage us all as a church going into another season of COVID to think how we might do that really well, not just for people that are in our growth groups or home groups, but to do that really well. But to think about those perhaps on the fringes, to think about those that perhaps haven't been involved in these Zoom calls. I encourage you to do that. We'll discuss more on that in the Zoom conversations uh, later on if you're uh, on Zoom. Our partnership in the gospel is a key source of joy for Paul. That's our first point. And here's the second point. Paul has a right perspective of the gospel. It's a right perspective of the gospel that brings him unspeakable joy. Have you ever been in one of those meetings? Often happens in management meetings. I'd like to get someone else's perspective on this, says the chair of the meeting. It's common language in management meetings. It's a different angle that they're looking for, a different way of viewing things. See, Paul's view of the gospel is always on the money. His perspective seems to be always right. Look at verse 6, and there's a repeated phrase in verse 10. He, he says, until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. See, the gospel isn't a hobby for Paul. It's not an add-on to life. You see, we'll see next week, it is life. And then he says, death is even better. His perspective of Jesus, yes, he's saviour, yes, he's king. But Paul's perspective is that he's the living king. He's the one who will come to bring his people home. You see that until the day of Christ Jesus. It's always in his mind. He's continued. He's, Christ will come to put all wrong things to right. And Paul is living in light of that truth. And a right perspective of the gospel brings joy now. Now, 
unspeakable joy now. And I think, this is my issue, I think I often leave Jesus on the cross. He died for my sins, crucial, utterly important. And if I get past that, sometimes I, I think I leave him in the grave. Well, he went to hell for me. He took my punishment on his shoulders and then for three days experienced all that I should. I think I need the perspective of Paul. Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he went to the grave and to hell for me. But he's coming back. He is coming back. He's coming back as the king of kings to take his people home, to take me home, to take us home. It's a glorious future. And you see, the Philippian Christians, they've, they've understood this too. They've partnered with Paul in having their right perspective with him. And they know it could be costly. They know that it could be lonely. They know that it will definitely be sacrificial. Last that they had seen of Paul, he'd been chased out of town by a hate mob. They faced persecution and even death. Well, COVID's taught us many things, hasn't it? COVID's taught us many things. And it's also served up some pretty worrying times. We mentioned those before, uncertainty around jobs. We know that that's been an issue at Town Church. Exams and education, we know for the Ventress family, that's been really, really tough at school. We know that for some, it's triggered illness, anxiety, some mental health. We know that for others, there's been financial struggles. All these things matter. Please hear me say that. All these things matter. But I wonder if Paul were to write to Town Church Vista, what would he write about into our situation? I wonder if he might have written, some of you have lost perspective. Some of you have, have let the worries of this time cloud your perspective of the gospel. Lanks, you've let health, wealth, job security, intellect, relationship, tensions, you've let them cloud over a right perspective of the gospel. And you see, yes, all those things, they matter. But as I heard someone say recently, these things matter, but not as much as we've been told they matter. I think for us parents, this is a big issue. Health, education, relationships, they all matter. But am I, are we doing our best, playing our part to show our children, to show them the hope that is there in the gospel? To read the Bible with them, to, to sign into Zoom at 10.30 on a Sunday morning, to sing together as a family, to, to watch you, perhaps on the pages of the Bible at breakfast and to say prayers together, to sit with them and talk to them about Jesus in light of the day of Christ's return. Because as I deal with all of these things, uncertainty around the future, don't know if school will continue, illness, financial struggles, as we deal with all of those things, 
that I'm able to weave the gospel throughout all of those to help our children, to help each other see that these things matter, but with the right perspective of the gospel. Do you know, even in these times, there can be unspeakable joy, what we're created for, what we're designed for, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. How do we keep that gospel perspective that can lead to unspeakable joy? And I'm certain you're sitting there thinking, God, that's hard. Do you know, that's, that's really hard. How do we do this? Unspeakable joy? Sunset, yes. Quiet children, yes. A lovely walk in the countryside, yes. But, but in these times of turmoil and anguish, is it right? Paul, that you can push us towards this idea of joy and call us to rejoice? Well, if that's you asking that question, you won't be alone, but drink in verse six. Just sup it up. Being confident of this, says Paul, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See what it is? It's not me trying harder through gritted teeth. It's not you doing it. You can't. You can't stoke up this unspeakable joy. You can't, but he can. Do you see that? The work that he started in you when you first believed. And you, what, you know what that work is? You, know, you do know what that work is. It, it, the work is called a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ through his spirit, he will carry on the good work until it's complete. And that's why Paul, at the end of this little section, he picks up these two elements that will lead to joy in whatever the situation. This is my prayer, says Paul, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Do you see that? You find joy in your partnership with each other, as you love each other more, as you work out how to care for each other in these uncertain times. And he goes on so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Partnership in love, but also perspective of the gospel. Did you see that? may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight that your perspective of the gospel, that you understand what Jesus has done, that he's coming back in a glorious day to take us home. But until then, he lives and he lives in you. So dear friend, rejoice. We can rejoice whatever our circumstance, whatever our trial, whatever our certain uncertainty, Paul says his joy, joy in partnering together in the gospel and joy in a right perspective of the gospel in light of God's return. And this is just the start, five more weeks of working through this unspeakable joy. Let me pray and then we'll sing together. Father, thank you for this uh, opening bat of Paul. Thank you that he's honest Thank you that he's real. Thank you that we see a man in such a terrible position, humanly speaking, and yet 
caught up in unspeakable joy. Joy in how the church in Philippi have looked out for him and looked after him and continue to support him and partner with him. An unspeakable joy with his right perspective of the gospel. He knew that you're coming back and he knows that you will not, you will not fail in what you've already started. You will carry it on to completion. Father, help us to take hold of these words and would you set them alight in our hearts to love each other, to love you and to live for you this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen.